Chapter Two of the History of Miss Betsy Thoughtless, Volume Three by Eliza Haywood. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Two contains only some few particulars of little moment in themselves, but serve to usher in matters of more importance. Mr. Goodman, who both living and dying had sincerely at heart the welfare of all with whom he had any concern could not content himself to leave the world without giving to those who had been under his care such advice as he thought necessary for their future happiness accordingly the day preceding that which happened to be his last he sent for mr thoughtless and on his being come and seated by his bedside he took his hand and began to remonstrate to him in the most pathetic though very gentle terms how unjustifiable to the eyes of heaven and how disreputable to those of the world it was to avow and indulge in the public manner he did an unwarrantable flame i never was severe said he in censuring the frailties of youth and nature but think the claim they have to pardon consists chiefly in an endeavour to conceal them when gloried in they lose the name of frailties and become vices besides others by our example might be emboldened to offend and if so what are we but accessory to their faults and answerable for them as well as for our own you are at present continued he the head of your family have a large estate are young handsome accomplished in fine have all the requisites to make a shining character in life and to be a service and an honour to your country how great a pity would it be that such a stock of fortune's blessings such present benefits and such glorious expectations should all be squandered in the purchase of one guilty pleasure he then proceeded to a short discussion of the difference of a lawful and an unlawful communication between the sexes he expatiated on the wife and laudable institution of marriage the solid comforts arising from that state in the choice of a worthy partner the many advantages of an honourable alliance the serene and lasting pleasures to be found in the society of a faithful discreet and endearing companion a wife said he with a sigh which the memory of his own hard fate drew from him may sometimes be bad but a mistress we are sure is never good her very character denies all confidence to be reposed in her it is the interest of a wife to secure the honour of her husband because she must suffer in his disgrace a mistress having no reputation of her own regards not that of her keeper it is the interest of a wife to be frugal of her husband's substance because she must be a sharer in those misfortunes which the want of economy creates but it is the interest of a mistress to fell her favours as dear as she can and to make the best provision she can for herself because her subsistence is precarious and depends wholly on the will of him who supports her these my dear friend continued he are truths which i hope you will not wait for experience to convince you of it is probable mr thoughtless did not relish this admonition he seemed however to take it in good part and returned for answer that he should ever retain the most grateful sense of the kind concern he expressed for him and added that whatever inconveniences he might have been hurried into by an inadvertent passion he should always take care not to become the dupe of any woman mr goodman then fell into some discourse concerning the younger mr thoughtless and the elder telling him that by his interest 
he procured a commission for him on very easy terms. That worthy old gentleman appeared very much pleased, and said he hoped they would always live together in that perfect amity, which both good policy and nature demands between persons of the same blood. And now, continued he, I have but one more thing to recommend to you, and that is in relation to your sister, Miss Betsy. I doubt not of her innocence, but I fear her conduct, her youth, her beauty, the gaiety of her temper, and the little vanities of her sex, are every day exposing her to temptations fatal to reputation. I wish, therefore, she were well married. I know not how the courtship of Mr. Trueworth happened to be broke off, perhaps on some trifling occasion, either on the one or the other side. If so, tis likely Mr. Francis, when he comes to town, may bring about a reconciliation. According to my judgment of mankind, she cannot make a more deserving choice. There is another gentleman who now makes his addresses to her. His name is Munden, but I know nothing of his character. He never applied to me, nor did she consult me on the affair. It will, however, be a brother's part in you to inquire how far he may be worthy of her. Perceiving Mr. Thoughtless listened to him with a good deal of attention, he went on. I should also think it right, said he, that while she remains in a single state, she should be boarded in some social, reputable family. I do not like this living by herself. Her humour is too volatile to endure solitude. She must have her amusements, and the want of them at home naturally carries her in search of them abroad. I could wish, added he, that you would tell her what I have said to you upon this subject. She is convinced I am her friend. I believe has some regard for me, and it may be my dying admonitions will have greater effect upon her than all she has heard from me before. Mr. Goodman, after this, beginning to grow extremely faint, and altogether unable to hold any further discourse, the brother of Miss Betsy judged it convenient to retire, assuring the other, as he took his leave, that no part of what he had said should be lost upon him. Though the promise he had made Mr. Goodman was chiefly dictated by his complacence, yet it was not totally forgot after he had left him, as to what that worthy gentleman had said, in relation to his own manner of living. He thought he had talked well, but he had talked like an old man, and that it was time enough for him to part with his pleasures, when he had no longer any inclination to pursue them. But what had been alleged to him concerning his sister's conduct, made a much deeper impression on his mind. He considered that the honour of a family depended greatly on the female part of it, and therefore resolved to omit nothing in his power to prevent Miss Betsy from being caught by any snares that might be laid to entrap her innocence. He communicated to Mr. Francis Thoughtless on his arrival all that Mr. Goodman had said to him on this score, and his own sentiments upon it. That young gentleman was entirely of his brother's opinion in this point, and they both agreed that marriage was the only sure refuge from temptation for a young woman of Miss Betsy's disposition and humour. They had a very long and pretty serious conversation on this head, the result of which was that they should go together to her and each exert all the influence he had over her, in order to draw from her some farther éclaircissement intentions than could yet be gathered of her from her behaviour. Miss Betsy, who little suspected their design, received them with all the tenderness that could be expected from a sister, 
especially her brother frank whose return after so long an absence gave her in reality an infinite satisfaction but she had scarce time to give him all the welcomes with which her heart overflowed before the elder mr thoughtless fell on the topic of mr goodman and the misfortune they sustained in the loss of so good a friend after which he has left you a legacy sister said he a legacy cried she pray of what kind such a one replied he as perhaps you will not be very well pleased in receiving nor would i choose to deliver it but for two reasons first that the injunctions of a dying friend are not to be dispensed with and secondly that it is of a nature i fear you stand in too much need of miss betsy whose ready wit made her presently comprehend the meaning of these words replied with some smartness that whatever she stood in need of she should certainly receive with pleasure and he might have spared himself the trouble of a prelude for anything that could be delivered by him or bequeathed to her by mr goodman he then told her how the gentleman the day before his death had sent for him for no other purpose said he than to talk to me on your account and to exhort me as your brother and now your guardian to have a watchful eye over all your actions to remind you of some inadvertences of the past and to warn you against falling into the like for the future sorry i am to find myself under a necessity of speaking to you in this manner but harsh as it may seem at present i doubt not but you will hereafter own is a proof of the greatest affection i could show you he then repeated to her all that mr goodman had said to him in relation to her to which he also added many things of his own which he thought might serve to strengthen and enforce the arguments made use of by the other it is impossible to describe the various and disturbed emotions which discovered themselves in the countenance of miss betsy during the whole time her brother was speaking she looked extremely grave at the manner in which he ushered what he had to deliver to her from mr goodman appeared confounded and perplexed at what she heard that gentleman had said concerning mr trueworth was quite peevish at the mention of mr munden but when told of the dangers to which she was exposed by living alone and trusted with the management of herself her eyes sparkled with disdain and rage at a remonstrance she looked upon as so unnecessary and so unjust if this message had been sent to her by any other than mr goodman whose memory on account of the benefits she had received from him was precious to her or had it been repeated by any other mouth than that of a brother she had certainly vented the indignation she was possessed of in the most bitter terms but gratitude respect and love denying her this remedy she burst into a flood of tears good god cried she what have i done to raise such cruel suggestions in the heart of any friend which of my actions can malice construe into a crime i challenge my worst of enemies to prove me guilty of anything might justly cast a blemish on my reputation much less to call my virtue in question the two brothers seemed very much moved at the agonies that they saw her in especially the elder who repenting he had gone so far took her in his arms and tenderly embracing her my dear sister said he you wrong your friends while you imagine yourself wronged by them your reputation i hope is clear your virtue not suspected it is not to accuse you of any guilt but to prevent your innocence from being a prey to the guilt of others that mr goodman sent you his dying admonition or that i took upon me to deliver it 
Mr. Francis Thoughtless seconded what the other had said, and both joining their endeavours to pacify the late tempest of her mind, she soon recovered that good humour and cheerfulness which was too natural to her to be long suspended by any accident whatsoever. "'I flattered myself,' said the younger of these gentlemen, "'that cautions of this kind would have been altogether unnecessary, "'and that before now you would have been disposed of to a man "'under whose protection all that is dear to your sex had been secure. "'I need not tell you,' continued he, "'that I mean Mr. Trueworth.' "'Miss Betsy looked a little confused, "'and not making any reply, "'the elder Mr. Thoughtless immediately took up the word and said,' He had heard so high a character of that gentleman's merit that he had wished for few things with more ardency than the honour of being allied to him, and that he never could find out what objection his sister had to accept of an offer so every way to her advantage. To this Miss Betsy made answer, though not without some disorder and hesitation in her speech, that she had never made any objection, either to his person or qualification, but that she did not care to marry yet a while, and he had not love enough to wait the event of her resolution in that point, that, besides their humours did not suit, and there was little likelihood that they would agree better after marriage, that there had been a little pique between them, that he had gave himself airs of resenting something she had said, and thereupon had sent her a very impertinent letter, since which she had never seen him, so that, added she, our breaking off acquaintance is wholly owing to himself. Mr. Francis, not doubting but this letter would explain what he so much desired to know the truth of, cried out to her hastily to let him see it. Miss Betsy already repented that she had mentioned such a thing, as she was conscious there were some expressions in it which would greatly countenance the disagreeable remonstrations she had just now received, but she wanted artifice to pretend she had either lost or burnt it, and went that instant to her cabinet, where, easily finding it, she gave it to her brother's hands with these words. He reproaches me, said she, with things I know nothing of, and in terms which I think do not very well become the passion he pretended to have for me. That he once loved you, said Mr. Francis coolly, I am very certain. How his sentiments may be changed, and the reasons of their being so, this may perhaps give me room to guess. He then read the letter aloud, and while he was doing so, several times cast a look at Miss Betsy, which showed he was highly dissatisfied with her for having given any cause for the reflections contained in it. I see very well, said he, returning her the letter, that he has done with you, and that it is your own fault. I shall, however, talk to him on the affair, and if there be possibility of accommodating matters between you, shall endeavour it for your sake. Here Miss Betsy's spirit roused itself, in spite of the respect she had for her brothers. I beseech you, sir, said she to Mr. Francis, not to go about to force your sister upon any man. If Mr. Trueworth, of his own accord, renews the professions he has made, I shall on your account receive them as I did before any misunderstanding happened between us but as to changing my condition either in favour of him or any other man i know not when or whether ever i shall be in the humour to do it you may however if you please continued she hear what he has to say for himself and what mighty matters against me that can excuse the abrupt manner of his quitting me i know not as yet replied mr francis with some vehemence whether i shall interfere any farther in the thing 
and am heartily sorry i have given myself any trouble about it since you so little consider your own interest or will follow the advice of those who are at the pains to consider for you come come said the elder mr thoughtless you are both too fiery i am confident my sister has too much good sense to suffer any little caprice to impede her real happiness therefore prithee frank let us drop the subject at present and leave her to her own reflections to which miss betsy answered that there required but little reflection to instruct her what she ought to do and that though she could not consent to be kept always in leading strings the love and respect she had for her brother would never permit her to do anything without their approbation there passed nothing more of consequence between them at this visit but what had been said served to engross pretty much the minds of each of them after they were separated End of chapter two